Well, the, uh, the trope of these guys, they can't hit anything, right? They can't shoot, they can't hit it. For those of you who, who know Star Wars, right? You can't, they can't hit anything. They're not good shots, and boom, they get shot one time and they're done. You know, that armor doesn't seem to really do much for them. They're just dead. Well, the guy gets shot, and everybody thinks he's dead, and then all of a sudden he starts talking. He says, help me. And they all stand around looking like, that guy should be dead. Why is he talking? They never ran into that situation before. They didn't know what to do with a stormtrooper who was just injured. <laughs> Debated amongst themselves whether or not to kill him or not because they didn't know what to do. Finally, they said, no, we won't, we won't let him, we, we won't kill him. And he says, yeah, forget it, never mind, never mind, I'll get up on my own. He tries to get up, and one of those rebels jump back in the room and shoot him in the chest, and he's dead anyway. But, yeah, it's okay. He, he's a nameless, faceless stormtrooper. Who cares, right? It's just the fact that they, didn't, they ran into a situation where they didn't know what to do. They had no, no guideline for it. They, this is brand new. I don't understand it. And so it stopped them in their tracks trying to figure out what in the world to do. It's kind of like what I, what I thought this morning when I looked at myself in the mirror. I what do I do? I'm going anyway. I'm going anyway. That's kind of, yeah, come as you are, right? <laughs> exactly, for real. Okay. Are we... Is that not working too? <laughs> oh boy. Could we just cancel today and and meet each other next Sunday? That's up yeah. Thanks, Tom. All right. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. I know it's it's frustrating for him back there too. It's it's frustrating when those things don't work out right. Computers, right? They never work when you need them to. Or they wait for the right time to throw a fit, which is always in front of everybody else. <laughs> so confusing, right? And, and that's why I, I want to start off this quote-unquote Christmas musing sermon about confusing. Because I've been confused in the past about Christmas. Maybe you have too. Uh, maybe we share that as a confusing time for Christians. I don't think it has to be confusing. But I think there is a definite... Um, confusing part of this, because when, when sometimes we think about Christmas, we get that head-scratching moment. There's no biblical authority, and I've heard those sermons over and over again. There's no biblical authority to celebrate this as Christmas or as Jesus' birth. There's no date in the Bible for Jesus' birth. We have no idea exactly when. We can surmise maybe about what time, but even that is still a relative guess. It, yeah, right. It doesn't really matter. Now, I heard you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're right. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter when he was born. It just matters that he was born. But it doesn't matter when he was born. But again, I, I have struggled with Christmas in the past, uh, knowing what to do with it. And I think there's plenty of verses. And I, I, I went back over other things this week, and I looked at other preachers, and I looked at some preachers that I agree with and don't agree with. And I was just trying to, am I tracking along the same lines as some other people? And Wondering what they said, and a lot of people even pull out, you know, this, this scripture from Jeremiah. If you can read this, if you want to read it in your own Bible, it's Jeremiah 10, 1 through 6. And I've heard that used, you know, no Christmas trees in your house. And Jeremiah 10, 1 through 6. It talks about trees. It talks about no going out and getting trees. Not decorating trees, not putting them in your, in your house. But I'm sorry, I don't think that has anything to do with Christmas trees. It has a lot to do with idols that they were worshiping back there. It has nothing to do with Christmas trees today. And there's no evidence, I think, that, that a Christmas tree is necessarily right or wrong. 
It's just like Christmas, right or wrong. Because, you know, when, if we're honest with ourselves, we do things that the Bible doesn't have direct authority, doesn't give us a direct command anyway. We do it all the time. We're sitting in one right now. So if I get on my high and mighty soapbox and say, hey, Christmas, it's not in the Bible. Y'all shouldn't be celebrating it. Then I probably shouldn't be sitting here at this building either. If I want to be absolutely honest with myself and, and complete, completely right on all counts. And when we get right down to it, when we're looking for these commands, examples, and necessary inferences, sometimes what's necessary is what's necessary to me, not necessarily what's necessary to you. And that's how I decide what's necessary in the Bible. Then I ask myself, I wonder if Jesus ever did anything that was not directly commanded in the Old Testament. You guys think he ever did? What did he do? Anybody? I wonder myself, if you go to John chapter 10, I wonder if at that feast that he actually celebrated what we call Hanukkah, I wonder if he participated in that at all. He's there around that time frame. Looks like it. He could have participated in what they would have seen as Hanukkah back then. Not in the Old Testament. Maccabean revolt, all that stuff. And then I thought, too, where's he sitting when he's, when he's preaching sometimes? In the synagogues. Synagogue, not commanded in the Old Testament. Didn't have a problem with it. Didn't seem to have a problem with it. Doesn't say he has a problem with it. I wonder sometimes if Jesus is doing exactly what we're doing sometimes. There's not a direct command there, but is it wrong? Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily at all. And that's not, I don't want to make this about a right or wrong thing here, because I like Christmas. I love getting presents. Amen. Amen. I, it just has waned seriously since I stopped being a child. The, it's, just, it's not as magical anymore. I mean, it it kind of stinks, actually, now. Yeah, because you've got to buy gifts, too. And, and the gifts are just not as mm, amazing. I don't get to sit and play with my Star Wars toys anymore. I've got to do things. Once again, responsibility has ruined the day. So I, I didn't want to make this sermon about... Uh, Right or wrong Christmas, because I don't see anything wrong with it, to be honest with you. Now, I think we waste a lot of time talking about it. What I wanted to do is, is just kind of have some musings about it, because I know that there were some people that would have been in this audience today that might be struggling with it, and I wanted to give them some things to think about. Just some things to think about when it comes to Christmas. How and why, the realities of it, where it comes from. And a lot of you already know this, so like I said already earlier, if you already know this, Shoot, let's just call it a day. Let's go home. No? Okay, fine. We'll go on. What I'm thinking here, way back when, anybody recognize that place? Yeah? Rome? Rome? You can see, if you can see, you might not be able to see, down there towards the end there, you can see a little bit of the Colosseum. This is, this is a lot of the ruins, and you walk down towards the end of that picture there, and there's the Colosseum down there. Those three, or eight columns, excuse me, right there in the middle of that picture is the Temple of Saturn. That's the Temple of Saturn. One of the things that you see in the history books, and at least where a lot of this Christmas stuff may have come from, is when you ask yourself, that's, that's the first question you ask yourself when you're a Christian, and you hear other Christians say, no, well, is it, is it pagan? Because they'll tell you it's pagan. Does it have pagan roots? Maybe so. 
maybe it does. Temple, Temple of Saturnalia there, when they celebrated it, they celebrated around December 17th, and it was usually a week-long thing or some, somewhere in there. And although it changed because before, before the Battle of Carthage, before the Second Punic Wars, it was very Roman, and then it had some Greek influence after that. So it changed. The celebration itself changed over time. But there are some similarities. But you also see similarities in another celebration in Rome, the Sol Evictus from December 25th. So, you know, there's, there's some similarities between old things and new. But then again, you got Rome changing drastically when Constantine becomes emperor. And he has his conversion, his story, and then he says, I'm a Christian. And then things start changing in Rome to more friendly towards Christian. And then, you know, things get, get meddled and, and jumbled and... So, you know, when, when I'm a Christian, when, I, when I've asked myself in the past, am I okay with celebrating Christmas? My first question was, is it pagan? Am I doing something that is, that is wrong? Okay. <laughs> Don't jump ahead of me. I've already told you it's not wrong anyway. But you're right. No. Uh, no. I, 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 it does have pagan roots. I think we should be honest with that. It does have pagan roots. Let's not, be, let's not deceive ourselves. It does have pagan roots. Okay, fine. I'm okay with that. Why am I okay with that? Why am I okay with, with celebrating something that, that has some influence from the pagan world? Well, I think a good question to ask is, is it pagan? But a better question to ask ourselves is this one. Is Christmas pagan today? Would you look at Christmas today and say, that's pagan? Now, I know some brothers that have. In fact, I, I spent a lot of time with one brother who, who struggled with this badly and, and he hid his Christmas tree from other brothers because it was, you know, if they saw him with that tree, it's, you're in trouble because that is pagan. It's, you don't do that stuff. It's, you don't get there. You don't do that at all. Does it still mean the same thing that it did back in Rome? Does Sol Evictus come to your mind when you think of Christmas? Does Saturnalia come to mind? I mean, if, if somebody stopped you and said, hey, what, what, are, the, what are the festivities for Saturnalia? Could you rattle them off? Maybe some of you could. But does that mean that it's still the same thing that you're doing right now? It looks a lot different, I think. There's a lot different between those two things. But I think it does have pagan roots, but it's not. Look at these things here. How many people are wearing one of these wedding rings? Nobody's wearing one, apparently. Wow, that's amazing. Come on, work with me, people. This, this stuff's not working with me. You've got to work with me today. Okay. Thank you, Kurt, and thank you, John, and, and my wife. I'm not wearing one, though, but uh, my wife is wearing one. Because I'm the man of the house, and I don't have to wear one if I don't want it. No, just kidding. It really digs into my hands. She's, she's supposed to get me, or I'm supposed to get one of those. I want one of those flexible ones, so when I'm, when I'm doing this stuff, it doesn't hurt and dig into my hand. Anyway, these things are... Or have, we're way off track now, these things have uh, roots in pagan things. You go back, way back when, the Egyptians were the first ones to pretty much do this. And a lot of that stuff is tied together with pagan worship. And Christians themselves didn't start wearing, at least according to the history books, didn't start wearing these things until about 860. So, you know, Christians struggled with that for a while and maybe didn't do it for a while because of it being... Related to things, but now we, we wear wedding rings all the time. It has absolutely nothing to do with anything Egyptian. There's no, no temple of Ra where you go to get married here. So, and 
We wear these things all the time. We're okay with that. We also do this. We talk about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. These things, again, have some pagan roots. The names, the, the days, have some pagan roots, some pagan meanings. I'm okay with Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because it doesn't carry the connotation that it might once have carried. I'm okay with that because when we say Monday, we don't say, this is the moon. I'm celebrating the moon today. No, it's just Monday. It's just another stinking Monday where you got to get up and go to work. That's all it is. It has nothing to do with the moon. You might want to see the moon so you can go to bed. That's about it. So then, so then I ask myself the question, what do I do? What do I do? If, if I'm saying, okay, it definitely has pagan roots, yes, but it's not pagan today. So what do you and I do for Christmas? What do you do and I do with Christmas? Because we do have these things out there that, that carry a, a confusing message, I think, sometimes. We've got the manger scene, right? Which is completely wrong in a lot of ways. They've got the wise men coming to the manger. No, and then if you read your Bibles, that's not the way it worked out. So, you know, it's, it's a little off when you look at those things. And, and I, that's part of the reason I struggle with that, because I look at that and people are saying, ah, and I'm saying, no. <laughs> but, okay, that's, that's another opportunity to say, hey, let me tell you the real story behind that. Let me tell you who came to see him at that time. Let me tell you when the guys that brought frankincense, gold, frankincense, and myrrh came. It's a good opportunity. What do I do with it? What, how do we make the most of this opportunity, this, this holiday here that we, we, we celebrate? And in terms of holidays that we celebrate, have you ever asked yourself the question, why is Christmas so big and Easter so small? I, Easter's a good holiday, too. Now, again, I'm not so sure we can be exact about the dates again, but we know he was... He rose from the grave. Now, we're talking about two big events in history of the world. We're talking about the incarnate coming and, and dwelling, the infinite dwelling in the finite, right? That is amazing. When the infinite comes and dwells in the finite, when God breaks into human history and comes down and, and comes in, in baby form, that is amazing. And that sparks a change in this world and in human history. But at the same time, the death on the cross, the burial and the resurrection, the pinnacle of history where everything changes, where Jesus dies for our sins and is buried and rises again. But that doesn't happen without the birth. But if the birth happened without the death, you need both. We need both of these things here. One is not more important than the other. However... I mean, why do we put so much? Look, one of my favorite Christmas singers, Johnny Mathis, I love his singing. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, right? Where's that song, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Easter? That's not out there. It's beginning to look a lot like Easter. Eggs in every store? I don't know what to say. Even eggs is, is off, too, in the celebrations. Just, we're all messed up in the celebrations here. All messed up, all over the place. I think one of the things I need to do when I ask myself the question, what do I do with this, is I just need to be careful. You and I need to be careful how the world influences us. Does the world influence us to be very materialistic on Christmas? 
How does, the, how, does it, how does it influence us towards holidays? How does, it, how, does it, how does it shape our, yeah, our thinking? How does it shape our, our attitudes? How does it shape who we are? Do we let it overtake us? Or do we go into it with, with an open, or the, with a mind that is, that is filled with some, some understanding of what's going on, some understanding of, of what could and, could and can go on, and then armed with that knowledge, we walk into it, and we attack it that way. I think that's the way we should, we should attack it, with knowledge, with understanding, with biblical understanding, with tolerance, with all of this. Being able to say, okay, it's not in the Bible. There's no direct command to, to celebrate Jesus on this birthday. And there's no way to tell that this tomorrow is his birthday. But man, that's awesome that he was born. It was awesome that God sent him to be who he was for us. That's awesome. But again, that's, a, that's something, Carl, you celebrate every day, right? How do you celebrate that every day? Just by living the life that Jesus told you to live. So how, what do we do with this? Those three questions that, that, I, that I ask, is it pagan? Is it pagan now? And then what do I do with it? All lead me up to these two things because why I do what I do. That's a question I've asked myself many times especially lately. Why do I do what I do? I don't want to be somebody who just does things just because it's tradition. I don't want to do things because it's the way my parents did it or it's the way their parents did it. I want to know why I do what I do. I want to be an understanding person here and a person that can say, this is why. When you ask me, I want to be able to tell you, this is why I can do this or this is why I don't do this. So why do I do what I do? And I've got two... Okay, I went backwards, sorry. I've got two questions here in this last statement here. The last two questions here for myself. Or actually, actually they're more, more not, not questions. I shouldn't have wrote down questions. They're, they're more statements for me and the way I want to handle Christmas. Has anybody seen this movie, Saving Christmas? Okay, I don't want to insult anybody who's seen it. And if you like it, I don't want to insult you. But I think it's the dumbest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> It's, absolutely, it's, it's just asinine. It's, oh, if you want to laugh, actually, if you want a good laugh, watch that movie. I think it's just dumb. I think the links that he goes to to save Christmas, because there, there's this mindset that there's this war on Christmas. And I know you've all heard that one, the war on Christmas, right? And I used to buy into the war on Christmas for, for a while, but I don't buy into that anymore. There's not a war on Christmas, in my opinion. There's not a war on Christmas. The world might think it's waging a war on Christmas, and they're thinking, if they are thinking they're waging a war on Christmas, it's probably because it has some roots in Christianity. In some ways, there's this Christ symbol in there, and maybe they don't want that. Okay, fine, I, I acknowledge that. But in the, same, in the same vein, what they really think they're fighting is not the real battle at all. And what I, if I get into that battle, I'm not really fighting the real battle either. I'm wasting my time. If I'm fighting this quote-unquote war on Christmas, I get too worried about getting Christ back into something he was never in to begin with. And I spend my time worrying about getting him back into this celebration. I can celebrate it without having to try to get Christ back into it. Because for me, this is not about his birth. This is about just family and friends getting together and having a good time. And me getting what I want on Sunday morning. 
I think fight, fighting this battle not only wastes my time, but it creates too many new enemies that I don't need to fight to begin with. I don't want to fight you. I love you too much to argue is a, is a phrase that we learned in, in uh, tough love. And, and is that? No, not tough love. love. Love and logic. Thank you, dear. Love and logic. I love you too much to fight about it. I'm not going to fight about Christmas ever again. I love you too much to fight about it. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to waste my breath. If, if you want to do that, you're just falling into this thing. It's a trap. It's, it's just a big trap. Let me, let me make that right for the season. It's a trap. It's all a trap. People, are, people get so worried about saying Merry Christmas. They don't say Merry Christmas anymore. They say Happy Holidays. Well, holidays in and of itself has roots in Holy Days. So if they want to say Happy Holidays, forget it. Let, let them say something they don't even understand. Who cares? And if they don't want to say Merry Christmas, who cares? Who cares? I'll say it too. If you don't say it back, no worries. It's not something I need to fight over. It's not something I need to, to worry about. Merry Christmas. Who cares? Worry, <laughs> be happy. Yes, it just wastes time and it creates new enemies here. That's the first part of this. The second part is the battle between brothers and sisters. I think, it, I think it often raises a battle between us and the body. For example, in Mexico, when I went down to Mexico with, with some guys, there's congregations, I think I've told you about it before, not too far from each other, that will have nothing to do with each other because one celebrates Christmas and one does not. And they won't have anything to do with each other. They fight because of Christmas. That's pretty dumb if I get involved in that. I don't want to call them dumb. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the fight itself is dumb. I don't ever want to. I don't ever want to let Christmas come in between me and a brother or a sister. Thank you, Carl. <laughs> or a sister. That's right. I don't want it to come between any of us. So I want to. I want you to ask yourself this question. And uh, if you don't like the way I phrase it, you can rephrase it. But write this down. If if you struggle with things that are that are, you know, you can't point to it and say, okay, this is why I can celebrate Christmas here, this, because Jesus did this, or this is. Ask yourself this question here. Can something be non-scriptural without it being anti-scriptural? Now, reword that however you like. I'm, what I'm saying is, can you, can you say, okay, I know it's not in the Bible, but it's not anti-Bible either. It's, it's not against God's word. I know it's not in God's word, but it's not against his word at the same time. Can something be that? And I think there can be things like that. That it's not in here, but it's not going to violate this word either. That's where I, the, the brother and sister thing come into play because I don't, I don't want to draw lines of fellowship on this issue at all. I want to have a celebration tomorrow. I want to have some nice food, some family. We're going to get together. We're going to play games. We're going to have fun. We're going to open up presents. And then the day's going to be over. And I want to have that fun. But I don't want to draw lines of fellowship between brothers that, that say, I can't do that. Okay. I can, I can honestly respect that. But I can't impose me on you. And I, I, can't, I don't want you to impose you on me. You can't tell me that it's sin. If you, if you want to tell me it's sin, you're going to have to prove to me it's sin. If you can prove to me it's sin, I might think about changing my ways here. But I can't find it as sinful in the Bible. I want to have some fun tomorrow. And this holiday is kind of fun. Especially when you get what you want. This holiday is kind of fun. 
I know I'm hammering that home, but I really want something special tomorrow. So it's important for me. Yeah. I'm going to end with, uh, hopefully, are, are we, because I had two videos. <laughs> this is the second one. Do you think, you want to try it? Are you guys up for trying it? Because <laughs> we got some time here we can kill. Um, it might work, it might not. This one is from the skit guys, and I liked the message in it about Christmas. So let's see if it works. If it does, great. If it doesn't, I'll just act it out for you. I wonder what it would be like to be born in a manger. Yeah. wonder what ever happened to baby Jesus. He, he grew up. What? Wait. So you're saying that the baby Jesus Christmas story is the same as the adult walk on water Jesus? Yeah. Thanks, honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, I just never really put the two concepts together. <laughs> Wonder what happened to that guy, huh? <laughs> he... He went to the cross. That's the same guy? Yeah. So what you're saying is baby Jesus is the same as cross Jesus? Yeah. I mean, there's some time in there, right? I mean, he he grew up, he taught people, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross and came back to life. And, you know, now he lives in our hearts. That's the same guy? The Jesus that lives in our hearts? Okay, I was really... Oh, wow. Okay. I never really put all those guys together, you know? Only one guy. I tell you this. Here's an idea. Maybe we stop just making Christmas all just this once-a-year isolated thing, but we make it an ongoing story about the salvation in our hearts and lives. Up top. That's the idea. I like that one. I like the message there at the end. You know, let's make it an all-year-round thing about Jesus, the salvation in our hearts. That's awesome. That's that's the kind of thought that I'm thinking here. When it comes to Christmas, I celebrate Christmas because it's fun, it's family, it's it's a great time. But at the same time, Jesus is something you talk about every day, not just one day a year. He's not the like I've said before, the reason for the season. He's the reason for everything, everything and anything and everything, really. In fact, go over to Matthew chapter 11. When we're talking about giving gifts, we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about this, this gift giving on tomorrow. When you, when you think about gift giving, I want you to think about Jesus, and I want you to think about this here in Matthew 11. Because we're going get, to get down to the real problem here. We've talked about Christmas, and we've said, okay, is it, script, is it has it had pagan roots? Well, yes, I think so. Some of it comes from pagan roots. Because then, you know, Constantine's Christianity, all that stuff's mixed in together and it gets passed down. Is it pagan today? I don't see it as being pagan today. I don't see my friends and family celebrating Saturnalia and, and Sol Invictus. It's not the same thing. 
What does that mean for me? Okay, I need to understand all that. I need to make a clear decision. I need to be okay with it, with God's word and, and, and my understanding of God's word. I need to go into that with, a, with clear eyes and a clear heart here. And then what do I do with that? Because I don't want to fight a battle that, is not need, that doesn't need to be fought about Christmas in the world. And I don't want to fight with my brothers and sisters. This is getting to the real problem here. Chapter 11. Look at verse 25. Through 30. It says, At that time Jesus answered and said, I praise thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, now didst hide these things from the wise and the intelligent, and did reveal them to babes. Yes, Father, for thus it was well pleasing in thy sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Now, here, listen to these, these words here. When you think about tomorrow or any day, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my load is light. When you think about gift giving, when I think about these kinds of things, and I think about Jesus, baby Jesus, walk on water Jesus, the guy on the cross Jesus, all of these things that that guy said in the video... And, and understanding who he is and who I am in him, gift-giving here. Look at verse 28. He says, come to me. The first thing i got to do is i got to come to him. Come to me. He says, you come to me. He's asking us. He's inviting us to come to him. Come to me, all who are weary. And look at the three things that Jesus expects in these, these section here. He says, the first thing is, I want you to come to me. That's the first thing he expects. As he says in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You've got to come to me. That's the first thing he says. The second thing he says is what? Take my yoke upon you. That's the second thing. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And when we do those things, when we come to him, when we take his yoke and we learn from him, what do we expect? What does Jesus say this is what you can expect when you do these things. I will give you rest. For I am gentle and humble in heart. You shall find rest for your souls. Rest, he says in verse 28, I'll give you rest. And in verse 29, I will give you rest. And what else do we get to find there? A light load. Look at that, light load. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. My load is light. There's still a yoke. Jesus says, there are things that I'm going to expect from you. I'm going to train you. I'm going to, I'm going to like we've been through in that series, I'm going, to, I'm going to get to know you. And I'm going to intentionally disciple you. And then I'm going to send you out. Because you're, you're going to have my yoke on you. But that yoke is light. The burden is light. We're not weighed down by sin anymore. We're not weighed down by the things that kill us anymore. When you think about gift giving, look at this gift that Jesus gives. He says, come to me. I'll give you what gives eternal life. I'll give you the best. I'll give you me. And that's where we boil down to the real problem here. It was in the scripture that Tom read for us this morning. Verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. What's the problem in that verse? Anybody? What's the problem in that verse? Can you, can you see a problem? No room. There's a problem. There's no room for them in the end. What the problem is today 
is that there's still no room for Jesus in a lot of people's hearts. There's still no room for him. There was no room for him when he was born. There's no room for him now. That's the real problem behind this. That's why I'm not going to fight over Christmas. Because the real problem is you don't know who Jesus is. Let me tell you who Jesus is. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that rather than Christmas. I'll argue with that about, rather than Christmas. Let me tell you about this guy who didn't have any room when he came to the earth and right now has no room in your heart. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ himself. The real question this, this Christmas and for the rest of our lives is, will you, will I, will, will we make room for Jesus? Will you make room for him every day? Or will you shove him out? The real question for everybody is, will we make room for him? The question is not for me, do I or do I not celebrate Christmas? I don't care. If you don't, okay. If you do, okay. I don't care either way. Celebrate or don't celebrate. Doesn't, doesn't bother me a bit. Get me a gift anyway, but it doesn't bother me a bit. Am I pushing too hard for the gifts? Let me know. I just don't care one way or another. The thing I do care about is do we make room for Jesus? Are you making room for him? That's the important question. Jesus is the important question here. Every day, no matter whether it's Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, whatever celebration you celebrate, Jesus is the most important thing always. So this day or this year, tomorrow, make room for him. When you're tearing madly through your gifts, when you're eating all the food, when you're playing games with your family, whatever you're doing tomorrow, consciously make room for him in that celebration. Make room for him when you get up. Make room for him before you go to bed. Make room for Jesus tomorrow. And for the rest of the year and for the next year to come, when you meet people, tell them about this baby Jesus who had no room and this adult Jesus who died for their sins. And ask them if they've made room for him in their hearts. Talk about Jesus. That's been the message for the whole discipling thing is basically what we do is we go out there and we live a life that shows, tells Jesus. It demonstrates Jesus, the attitude of Christ. That's pretty, pretty much it. And for me, for the celebrations, it's the attitude of Jesus. Amen. Talk about him. Talk about the one who saves. Talk about the one who died for me. And we've got no issues. It's the same thing that Bill said this morning in class, that the world doesn't, doesn't make room for him because they don't like to be told, you're wrong. You need to change. We do need to change. And let that change start with us today. Let that change start with you. Tomorrow, the rest of your life, make room for him and tell others about this Jesus Christ that you've made room for in your heart. Do that tomorrow. Do that the next, next, week, next year, the rest of your life. Start today as we stand and as we sing our closing song.